0: The scripture passage today comes from Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand,
1: Come, you that are blessed by my father. Just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me.
0: Then he will say to those at his left hand.
1: You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life.
0: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O Lord, to the word just read and the words to come that they might point to you, the word made flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. This fall, we have launched our annual theme of The Good Journey with the hopes of leading us into the very heart of God. During the month of October, we've been talking about companions that we have along the way. Today, we have the opportunity to dive into that familiar passage we just heard in Matthew 25 as we explore the idea of making new friends. As you know, the Gospel of Matthew proclaims the good news through the miraculous birth of Jesus that God is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Our particular passage is the last story in the public teaching ministry of Jesus, and it seems to be the message Matthew wants imprinted on our hearts and in our minds. There's a stark contrast from Jesus' first coming to earth in a humble manger under a dark cloud of obscurity to this foretold second coming in a bright cloud of glory surrounded by all of the angels. His message of judgment is delivered to all of those who refuse to offer simple acts of mercy to the vulnerable people on their path. While we may typically think of God in terms of power and might and glory, it turns out the High Lord is found in the low human. Maybe Garth Brooks was onto something when he crooned, I've got friends in low places. Perhaps it's time for us to make some new friends. There's a story about a monastery monastery that I really like But because it captures the essence of the Matthew 25 passage actually being lived out. And it goes like this. So there was this monastery that had been a great order, but it had fallen on hard times, leaving just the leader, an abbot, along with four other monks. One day the abbot went to visit a hermit who lived deep in the woods looking for advice on how to save the monastery that was so dear to him. The hermit welcomed the abbot into his hut and he listened to his story. He commiserated with him, echoing the abbot's concerns. Yes, I know how it is. The spirit has gone out of the people. When it was time to leave, the hermit sadly said that he had no advice on how to save the monastery. The only thing that he could tell the abbot was that the Messiah is one of you. When the abbot returned, he told the monks about his visit and that puzzling message that he received. In the days and weeks and months that followed, the old monks pondered these words and wondered if there was any possible significance. The Messiah is one of us? Could he possibly have meant one of us monks here at the monastery? If that's the case, which one? Do you suppose he meant the abbot? Well, yes, if he meant anyone, he probably meant the abbot. He's been our leader now for more than a generation. On the other hand, he might have meant Brother Thomas. Certainly, Brother Thomas is a holy man. Everyone knows that Thomas is a man of light. Certainly, he could not have meant Brother Elred. Elred gets crotchety at times. But come to think of it, Even though he is a thorn in people's sides, when you look back on it, Elred is almost always right. Maybe the hermit did mean Brother Elred. As they contemplated in this manner, the old monks began to treat each other with extraordinary respect on the off chance that one among them might be the Messiah. And on the off, off chance that each monk himself might be the Messiah they began to treat themselves with ordinary, extraordinary respect. Because the forest in which it was situated was beautiful, it so happened that people still occasionally came to visit the monastery, to picnic on its tiny lawn, to wander along some of its paths, even now and then to go into the dilapidated chapel to meditate. As they did so, without even being conscious of it, They sensed the aura of extraordinary respect that now began to surround the five old monks and seemed to radiate out of them and permeate the atmosphere of the place. There was something strangely attractive, even compelling about it. Hardly knowing why, they began to come back to the monastery more frequently, to picnic, to play, to pray They began to bring their friends to show them this special place, and their friends brought their friends. Then it happened that some of the younger men who came to visit the monastery started to talk more and more with the old monks. After a while, one asked if he could join them, then another, and another. So within a few years, the monastery had once again become a thriving order and thanks to the hermit's gift, a vibrant center of light and spirituality. Imagine, for a moment, if all of us were to act like Jesus is among us wherever we are, how might that transform our church? How might we respond in the long line at the grocery store or at the DMV? How would we treat one another, not knowing which one of us is the Messiah in disguise? I wonder if we might be a little more patient, a little more curious, a little more open to becoming friends and to treating one another like we are friends. I love how the acts of mercy in the Matthew 25 passage are so easy. Jesus doesn't say, I was sick and you healed me, or I was in prison and you liberated me. Nope, just that I was sick and in prison and you visited me. You gave me clothes, fed me, gave me a drink, and welcomed me. This is so easy. Anybody can do it. And yet, we heard the sad and shocking news this week that 39 refugees were found dead in a trailer. Imagine the desperation of people to risk such horrors to escape apparently worse ones. Everyone admires and applauds Mother Teresa's vision. I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus. I must feed him. This is sick Jesus. This one has leprosy or gangrene. I must wash him and tend to him. I serve them because I love Jesus. I'm wondering if people only appreciate this because she went to them to help. The difference with refugees, of course, is they mostly come to us for help. For me, it's the welcoming part that makes these acts of mercy more of a challenge. Most of us find it relatively easy to donate some money, food, or clothing, which is all good, but to actually have conversations or to try to get to know the person in a way that leads to mutual understanding and even friendship is a much steeper mountain to climb. Imagine that the face of Jesus is in the vulnerable person. Wouldn't we want to open our hearts as well as our wallets? Lord knows, I'm not saying that it's easy. Because if it were easy, everyone would be doing it. But I do know that it is possible because all things are possible with God. Because the Holy Spirit is alive and working in and through us. Because if we ask, it will be given unto us. And perhaps some intentional asking for courage And a divine opening of our eyes and our heart will help us to get on the right path. I want to explore a few of these relational opportunities with you in an attempt to encourage and inspire us to step out of our comfort zones and to make new friends. This huge gorilla named Fran and a tiny duckling became unlikely friends after the bird escaped into the apes home in the Bronx Zoo. Size, color, age and background didn't matter at all it reminds me of the story that went viral on twitter about a year ago when a young rapper from east harlem became friends with an 81 year old woman from palm beach florida 22 year old spencer slayon met Rosalind gutman online playing words with friends he actually flew to florida to meet her in person Now, they aren't best friends, but they formed a nice connection. Spencer says, When I met her, it was so natural. It wasn't like anything spectacular or different than you speaking to one of your friends. They discovered that size, color, age, and background didn't matter. How about enemies that cross that bridge into friendship? A wolf and a goat who are natural foes have unimaginably become friends. Their paths intersected when the wolf was an orphaned newborn, and the goat, who had recently had babies, had milk to share. Now that wolf is three years old, and the two are inseparable. This is like the movie I recently saw called Best of Enemies. It's based on a true story of civil rights activist Ann Atwater, who faces off against C.P. Ellis' exalted cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan, set in 1971, Durham, North Carolina, over the issue of school integration. A trained mediator was brought into town to hold a two-week long charrette, which is basically a combination of community building, sharing stories, and deep listening. In one heated exchange, Anne held up her Bible and reminded CP that the same God that made him also made her. Anne and CP began to sense their mutual vulnerability and their desire for justice. They learned that they had more in common than they had ever imagined. CP left the clan and they eventually became very good friends. No one could have ever imagined that these two would be able to see the face of God in each other. It's certainly much easier if we start this practice when we're young, but it's never too late to begin. A baby monkey, tiger, and lion play together at a zoo in China, reminding us how we all start out with this playful curiosity of one another. Think about it, children are not born with prejudice, hatred, or divisive thoughts. They are open to everyone with hearts full of love. This is probably why Jesus says to become like a child, because the kingdom of heaven belongs to children. Well, whenever we need a dose of this innocent, unfiltered love, remember our Palms Preschool is only a few steps away. I wanna share a story about how God spoke to me when I was running with my Husky Malachi this past week. Not in a split the clouds, thundering voice kind of way, but in a way where I asked God to speak to me about this Matthew 25 passage, and I tried to quiet my mind enough to listen. As many of you know, I was not a distance runner, but when I was 40, a friend tricked me into running a marathon with her. She was, and continues to be, 11 years younger than I am, which makes it kind of a mean trick. While the Chicago Marathon was unbelievably life-giving and even fun, I haven't run a marathon since. Now, I have trained for and ran several half-marathons, but the last one was probably like three to four years ago. I've been slogging off and on, but can't seem to get into a good rhythm of disciplined, regular running. You know, the kind where it doesn't hurt so bad every time you go out. And then it happened. My 24-year-old daughter, Hallie, who has always been more of a gymnast than a runner, texted me and asked if I would join her for her first half marathon in February. I tend to be open to any invitation from my daughters to spend time with them, even if it means running 13.1 miles. And so, pre-training has begun. Pre-training, because I'm not in good enough shape yet to jump into a regular training schedule. So I run out, say, a mile, then turn around and come back. Well, when we got Malachi from a shelter, he was about a year old and had more energy than anything I have ever seen before. I'd put a leash on him and he would bolt out the front door, literally dragging me behind him. In his early years, I could understand how these dogs could pull sleds for days. His enthusiasm reminded me of when we are new Christians or when we've had our hearts set on fire for Christ wild, abandoned, mixed with a bit of recklessness, sometimes even mowing over a few people as we chased after Christ. But then, something happens, and we start dragging our feet. Maybe we had an unexpected or an inexplicable tragedy. Maybe the church or someone in the church hurt us or someone we love. Maybe the busyness of life took control of our schedule. For Malachi, I think it's just middle age, but now I have to pull him a bit. I give him nudges and words of encouragement, but he is literally dragging his feet until we make the turn towards home. Then his ears perk up, his step is lightened, and he prances with a newfound energy, knowing he is going home. And isn't it the same for us? At some point on our path we are reconnected to christ and it sinks in that we've always been on that journey towards home i truly believe that jesus often uses new friends to reignite our spark sometimes it may be a nurse or a doctor or a community of people that we never imagined keeping company with like other cancer survivors or people who are also grieving, or in the throes of caregiving, or with those who are also battling addictions, or with those who have been cast aside as not welcomed here. Perhaps it's a new friend from another country, or with a different skin color, or affiliation, or orientation. Perhaps it's a new friend from our food pantry, from Wilkinson School, or from our very own neighborhood. Through the face of a new friend, Jesus smiles at us and our hearts warm as we are reminded, Emmanuel, God with us, every step of the journey.